What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Fenway Rundown presented by Mass Live. I'm your host, Chris Cotillo, and we're going to do something a little different this week. I hate this introduction because he wears so many hats professionally. Bleacher Report, Section 10, WEI, all the things he does. It's Steve Peralt uh, from Twitter, basically. Let's just say it's Twitter's Steve Peralt on to talk about the Red Sox start. And it's kind of a role reversal because I believe you host a podcast. Sometimes you call me in the middle of the about 11 o'clock at night, harass me for about for four or five minutes, and then it's nice to be on the other side of it. Yeah, I was going to say, Chris, um, first off, thank you for having me on the Red Sox Review Rundown Focus Report. I've been waiting for this invite for a long time, so I'm glad I finally got it. But I got to give you credit. Now, I know sometimes Jared will just he'll call you out of nowhere and myself as well and start jabbing. And it's like, that's not fair. Like you just called me at like 11 PM and start jabbing me. Like I'm, I'm on, right. I hopped on your show. So if you ever took that uh, the wrong way, I don't think you did, but uh, I'm not going to apologize, but I'm just going to acknowledge it. Um, but yeah, no, thank you for having me on. I'm very excited. Obviously this start wasn't really unexpected for, I guess this start was unexpected. We didn't think they were going to be bad, but I don't know if we thought they were going to be this good, but Hey, it's good for business when the Red Sox are good. So that's where we're at. So, I like to like schedule my guests in advance. Don't call them out of the blue. So I texted you a couple of days before to have you come on and, and the Red Sox have won two more games since I think we planned this. So even better. So I wanted to get a sense from you. Like, and I feel like you and, and what you guys do, you have kind of a unique role in like knowing how fans are thinking, um, you know, from Twitter interactions to, you know, Instagram to being at the ballpark, interacting with people. I don't think it's a secret that, this team was not relevant for a lot of 2020. They're 24 and 36. They didn't have the star power. People were mad about the Mookie trade, all that type of stuff. They were 18. one and zero, though. They were one and zero. That's true. People forget yeah. that. Now yeah. at, at at 12 and six, as we record this, the team's having fun. There's fans back at the ballpark. Do you feel like the Red Sox are legitimately relevant again? I do, and I know for the uh, live BP show with Rob Bradford, WEI every weekend. Nice little plug there. Um, yeah, nice. We had talked about after that first series. We basically spent the whole show saying this is the worst possible scenario because mm -hmm. the Red Sox of Boston sports teams had a chance to actually get the attention and get people talking about them. The Celtics at the time were having they're basically at the lowest point of their season. Uh, the Bruins were on a skid. The Patriots still have Cam Newton as their starting quarterback. So right. there was a chance there for people to only talk about the Red Sox. And to open up with a sweep, getting swept by the Orioles is the exact opposite that you wanted to see. So since then, uh, they've gone, what, 12 and three. And mm -hmm. you can tell the fans are actually into it. The way that I see, I feel like I'm in too much of a bubble with Red Sox fans because Section 10 listeners are such diehards. Like right. they care and so they're, much. They're, they're, the home, they're homers and, and they don't hate the team like most Twitter people do. Yeah, that we do have some some haters for sure. And people that love to, you know, hit us up in the DMs like this guy sucks, that guy sucks. But for the most part, that's like the 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 core of the core fan base. So it's a little hard to to base my opinions off of them. Mm -hmm. But the way that I get a vibe for how the fans are feeling is how many people are interacting with what we're doing. And the mentions have been going off. It's similar to 2018. Like, because last year, nobody really cared. I right. mean, we did two shows a week, and I couldn't even tell you what we talked about. Like, it was it was an obligation to talk about the team. It wasn't fun yeah. to watch and, them at and, all. And write about them at times. I, yeah. I'm telling you, you went through the same thing. So it's like, we finally, I can at least see in the mentions and the people that are engaging with what we're doing, that the intensity is back, the, the passion is back. Fans actually do care. 
and to a level that's not just like, hey, I'm happy baseball's back. People actually think that this team can, I was going to say, do some damage. I don't want to use 2018's phrase, but <laughs> yeah, that's, that's people copyrighted. actually think that, yeah, exactly. People think that they can make somewhat of a run or at least have, you know, a, some, a, a fun summer here and, you know, make a run at a playoff spot. So I have sensed that from the fans uh, and outside of Section 10 fans, just people at Fenway Park, even though I want to ask you, Chris, to flip it around on you. What's your takeaway of the vibe at Fenway? Because I get, I just get weirded out. Basically any game I've gone to this year, it's, they have the smallest capacity allowed of any stadium, any park in baseball. Mm -hmm. And it is noticeable. It is a heckler's paradise. And there are times where the Sox have a couple guys on and you can't even, you couldn't even tell based off the crowd noise. So it is a little bit weird at the park. I will say, I think, and Alex Cora has mentioned this in the last few days, that it feels like there's more than 4,500 fans or 5,000 in the park at certain times. I think Saturday, the 4 o'clock game uh, against the White Sox, pretty loud. People were pretty into it. Solid Um, environment there. Yep. And then, you know, last night against uh, Toronto, it felt like it was pretty loud. People were into it. I think the interesting thing is you can hear that rogue heckler, uh, and I'm sure the players can too. And there hasn't been a lot of creativity with um with that so far. It's kind of like you know you're you're exactly what you'd expect. And uh, the heckler, I, I got I got to stick on that real quick, just because get better, all right. If you're gonna like <laughs> if you're gonna like host a comedy show during the whole game, at least have some decent material. Like it's it drove me nuts on Saturday. I was there with my girlfriend Emerson Lazia, uh, Sam. I'm blanking on his last name. Betting guy at Nesson, great dude. And so we're watching the game, and this dude a couple rows in front of us. He was so annoying. He was a White Sox fan. The type that like needs to let you know that they're a fan of the opposing team gets up right. literally like every hit like flips out like and, and try tried to be the funny guy and he's not funny. If you're going to be a heckler, if you're going to be like, make let's make this about me, be funny. I think when the 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 lucky moment I had in the press box, we heard a guy. What was the phrase that was said? You tweeted about it. I forget what the exact phrase was. Oh, the guy's like, what are you, the bullpen pitcher? No, what are you, the bullpen pitcher? pitcher? Yeah. And I was like, all right, that's not terrible. Like, that's better than the fact that that's like the best heckle I've heard so far this year is shows that the hecklers need to be better. Well, you got to think it's their time to shine, right? Like this it is, is. This is their li- moment. Limited capacity. If you are a professional heckler, this is 4,500 people, what you've been waiting yeah. your whole life for. They probably yeah. saw the tea leaves a year ago and were like, wow. And in April 2021... <laughs> These stadiums are not going to be falling and there's going to be a lot of people listening. Yeah. Um, I I did want to talk about what, what Fenway is like. You can't really, you know, interact with other people in the stands. Everything's kind of zip tied, you know, concession stands are uh, only some are open and you're going to be obviously distanced and all that, but comparatively to last year, I know you weren't there, but it just does feel so much more alive. And I feel like that, you know, I think we've underestimated, I guess, for all of time, how much the energy from the fans really does, you know, help the home team. I feel like you, we kind of realized finally last year how much it really does matter. Yeah, I think the only fan last year was Garen Austin. I think she was the only one there that probably pulled for the team that wasn't a part of the media. But yeah, you can tell the difference, but it's still my general takeaway of being at game so far this year is it's kind of awkward. Like you you really, the zip ties, <laughs> something about zip tied yeah. seats. And I understand the concept. I totally get it. They don't want people that, are, you know, get a couple drinks in them, start hanging out with their buddies. And now crowds are forming. I totally get the concept. It makes sense. But when you're trying to find your seats and every seat around you is zip tied, it's like, all right, let's get comfy in these, you know, little tight seats and, and watch the old ball game. But um, yeah, the vibe is a little bit odd at Fenway Park. But there's, you can't really complain about it. I'm just glad we're able to go back to the games. I mean, last year, not only was the team terrible, but 
no, obviously nobody could go. So that impacted uh, fans as well. I think that's something that I didn't factor in as much for like the merch that we sell for section 10 is that it's, it's so based off of people wearing it at the game and like showing it off at Fenway and like on the road at other ballparks that when that wasn't the case, it was just completely different for merch sales and just for people caring. They want to show off that they like listen to the show. They want to show off that they're fans of the Red Sox. Um, and they weren't able to until this year. One thing that I noticed over the weekend, a lot of people got those marathon jerseys. A lot of people got the Patriots Day. They did. And they're, uh, ex- they're extremely expensive, too. They're like 430 a piece. So I don't yeah. know why people are dropping that much coin on those. I think they're decent jerseys, but definitely not worth $430. <laughs> Um, but I was kind of stunned. I'm telling you, man, that was like, that was eye opening to me that that many people ordered it immediately because when they dropped, they had that, the game was only like two weeks after or whatever. So you had to order those pretty quick. So if anything, that was kind of a somewhat of a sign that, you know, people are really into this team and into the the new merch and and jerseys that they're dropping. Yeah. Not even talking about like 2020 and that team and you know, everything that went wrong, but it just even felt like 2019, like those guys were just exhausted from the playoff run the year before. And even on a team that won the world series in 2018. And, and, you know, you've had a bunch of the guys for interviews and know some of them, like even the 2018 core, there wasn't that like crazy 2004 or 2013, like personality you know, within the clubhouse, you know, like they were extremely good, obviously extremely talented, won it all, but they weren't that kind of like, crazy really big on social media type guys and now it feels like you know they're bringing in those types i think everybody talks about you know kike hernandez but bobby dahlbeck has some personality and shows that and and you know we we, everybody knows he's a big music guy and he does different shows and is pretty active on twitter and instagram and stuff you know christian arroyo is, is like that and i feel like a lot of the younger guys are are more you know on social media have a bigger personality and you're seeing you know even with some of the stuff they're doing on the field we've been talking a lot about and writing a lot about this week, the laundry cart. We're talking about, you know, the waving from second base, the waving from third base. Now, that stuff's corny. Every team has their own stuff, but it seems like this group is coming together pretty quickly, and I think fans just feed off that. Studies have shown that if you have a second base celebration, you win more games. It, yeah, it's definitely. just, it, it's a proven fact the, that even the, if the Fortnite dance a couple years ago, right? Yeah, Fortnite dance, even if you're just waving or doing like a wiggle or something, you win more games. And so I'm glad that they've caught on to that in April. Um, yeah, Verdugo, I just, I'm happy for Verdugo because he has other guys that like he can actually <laughs> hang out with and have fun with now. Last year, right. he was easily the only guy on the team that looked like he was having an ounce of fun. When he was, yeah, he was mic'd yeah, up and he yeah. was saying, I got nobody to talk to, nobody, nobody. And, and like he was and, talking about the fans, but it kind of felt like nobody else on the team was having fun either. It felt like even when he showed up to the park, he had nobody to talk to. So I'm glad that he finally has some dudes. I mean, of course, he's close with Kike. Uh, Kike's impact on this team, I think, is really starting to show, not just, you know, with the clubhouse stuff, but the fact that his bat is heating up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, with Verdugo specifically, it's just funny to me. It's like you're, you know, you're in a grade and like all your other buddies are in a different class and you're like, oh, second grade stinks. And then like third grade, he's finally with his boys. So like he's actually <laughs> right. like enjoying himself. And that's good to see. Bobby is a sneaky, like, really personable dude like you wouldn't really expect he's very mild-mannered um but he does have a lot of layers that i don't think even you know most of the fan base knows about yet um so yeah i'm excited i mean it's it's fun to watch when the team's having fun and when they're uh kind of joking around and the vibe is up obviously alex cora plays a huge role in that like i had mentioned this on many a section 10 but uh ron renicky having him as the manager is kind of like having your grandpa as the manager like i think that's kind of the vibe a lot of the guys had last year and nothing against renicky it's just that didn't fit what the the Red Sox were trying to do, what Heim wanted to do. 
And uh, yeah, you can tell they've invested a lot in guys that that are going to be vibe curators, as Bobby Dalbeck would say. And it, it shows. I'm just glad it's already showing uh, in April because sometimes it takes for the weather to warm up a little bit for guys to to loosen up. But um, on the on tunnel time, on the on the laundry cart thing, I'm getting some uh, some negative feedback for saying that I'm worried about someone straining something. It's an old guy take. I think we're all due for some old guy takes and some loser takes, but. You can't tell me yourself. J.D. Martinez looks comfortable in that thing. And he's hit – he, what, has the most homers in baseball, so he's been in that the most out of anybody right. on the team. And he's, when he gets out, he's like – Grizzly veteran in the cart. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that's my only little hesitation there is, like, let's make sure we're not getting hurt in a laundry cart that rolls through a 109-year-old dugout. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I've, I've enjoyed the vibe. I've enjoyed watching the team. Uh, and I think they're easily the most fun Boston team to watch right now. I mean, the Celtics are in a little bit of a run, which is good, but uh, the Red Sox are finally fun to watch again. And it's really been since 2018 that that was the case. And Bobby Dahlbeck actually was talking to the media pregame yesterday and said that there was a point last year, Kevin Ploiecki was pushing JD in the cart and something. And they, they, I don't know if they, they hit a crack in the dugout, but he, he almost flipped him. And since then they've, talked actively about let's slow this down we're gonna actually try to you know not hurt anybody this is supposed to be celebratory and not actually hurt the team so you know, clearly that's a work in progress too um, if, they're, if they're taking me- see i appreciate that if they're taking measures to not just like gun these guys down the dugout like i i can applaud yeah, there's, that there's now there's now speed bumps on the floor of the dugout at Fenway. <laughs> i can't um, think that's a smooth pavement but anyway um but but yeah i mean it's just it is clear that you know, I, I think that they've had more fun in the last three weeks than they had, obviously, in the two months last year and definitely in 2019. I think just being there, you know, and I wrote about this the other day, that the guy that sticks out to me, Xander Bogarts, the way he's carrying himself, the way he's acting, the way he's talking. I mean, he was dejected in 2020, and he said, you know, that famous quote of it's really hard to, you know, win games when you're down five, six runs automatically calling out the pitching staff, which was totally legitimate. Um, also he but, can, he has the stature where he can actually do that. Right. He's, he's basically the team captain, but in 2019, just thinking of him in the clubhouse, thinking of him after games, like he looked like he wanted to cry after they lost eight games in a row and get swept in that brutal series at Yankee stadium or, or things like that. You know, and he now you can just see like, it's, it's, it feels like it's 2018 again. So, and I wanted to ask you because, Sam Kennedy was on here a couple weeks ago. It was good, by the way. The clips I saw. Gave Thanks. Yeah, stuff. it's uh, better than Section 10. Anyway, right. Um, I, I think he keeps saying that when we asked the question of how the Red Sox become relevant again, well, winning cures it all. In this market, winning cures it all. Do you feel like that's accurate, or do you feel like there has to be something more from ownership from the team than just rolling the balls out there and hoping that they win games? Well, from his perspective, I think winning uh, has less people knocking down his door. So that's probably code for that. But yeah, yeah, I I don't I would say yes, but also the Mookie stuff. I know this is kind of a little side thing from the question, but like, yeah, it's a story that'll never end. It's the story that'll never end. And it's it's a constant nightmare that it's you know, you see any highlight out there. He obviously ends the game in San Diego. He's screaming with Don Orsillo on fan, the call, of course. With Don Orsillo on the call. It's like as a Sox fan, you're gonna be like, ah it's like regardless right. of how good the, the Sox are playing, and they have the second best record in major league baseball. So I don't think that stuff goes away necessarily. The fans that are gonna be like, Oh, I'm never gonna forgive him for Mookie, and th- that stuff's always gonna still be here. But from his perspective, from Sam Kennedy's perspective, winning will 
take care of a lot of things. It's going to take care of uh, a lot of the negative backlash in general towards the team. It's going to take care of the vibe that they were trying to create by bringing guys like Kike in, Hunter Renfro, Marwin Gonzalez. Like it's going to, it's going to take care of a lot of stuff. And I know it's cliche when players say that, like, oh, winning takes care of everything. But for the most part, it does, right? I mean, it's when you boil baseball down to it, if you're in the and if you're in first in your division and you have a great summer and you have one of the best lineups in baseball and your pitching is overachieving and the fans are finally getting back to the park and having a fun time, isn't that the point? Like that's yeah. kind of that that seems to be the pinnacle that they're striving for. And I know it's what the third week in April, but they've already accomplished that. So if they can keep that going, then yeah, I, I understand what he's saying. Um, now it's you know it's going to come down to the pitching consistently doing this. Guys like Evaldi staying healthy, Erod keeping up this pace and not having any bumps in the road. Um, I, Matt Barnes, I, I, I trust them ish. I still, tr- I, I trust them, but I always got to say it like, do I trust them? So there's still a lot of question marks in terms of if they can keep winning, but yeah, basically there are some little things that they also need to do. Like, you know, give more, give more actual reasons why they traded Mookie bets and more info into like, if he actually was going to sign, if they got any heads up that he wasn't at this point, we're past that. I don't want to really talk about it anymore, but from your fan, that's going to flip out or find something to flip out about, they'll still bring up Mookie regardless. And I think a big part of that is, is obviously, you know, John Henry and Tom Warner not taking questions for more than a year. And it's not uh, great. That's they not seem great. To, they seem to have their hands full across the pond right now, though. They do. I think, uh, <laughs> I think Red Sox fans are the least of their worries. Um, yeah, true, true. At this point, before I let you go, one thing you look at, you know, 12 and six and beating really good pitchers, you know, Ryu, Giolito, uh, Glass now. Barrios, all these guys, been an, obviously an extremely impressive start. But to me, I think one of the more impressive pieces of it is that there's a lot of guys who have been like really bad, and the team is still at this point. You know, you still haven't gotten anything close to what you expected from Dahlbeck. Hunter Renfro is hitting like 150. Ottavino has settled down the last two, but he has not been good. Richard just settled down a little bit, but he was bad in that first outing. People were trying to run him out of town, which. You know, ten million for one start. I don't think was what the uh, investment I, was all I'm about. I'm telling there. you, that was so. Yeah, just put Hauk in there. I, <laughs> yeah, don't s- get send, me send Richards that. down with eight years of service time. <laughs> I was gonna um, say he's all their dads <laughs> down there. <laughs> but and and even you know you just thinking about like Devers hasn't hit that level we thought he was going to. I know he hit like homers in four straight games, but he's been a little bit up and down. And mm. uh, you know, Kike struggled at times. Like it feels like, especially offensively, they just still haven't even hit their ceiling, right? Yeah, they've only had a couple of games uh, where they actually were on a tear. Pa- Patriots Day, I mean, that was nuts. Like, Giolito, it's so it, funny is not the right word, but I'm just going to use that anyway. It's just funny to me when, like, an ace very clearly doesn't have it. Like, it's it's kind of awkward because as a fan, you're like, wait, weren't you supposed to be good? And then LaRusso yeah. just kept him out there. It's like, dude, he doesn't ha- – you got it. Pull him. You can't just – he's getting rocked. But So that right. was a side thing. But, uh, yeah, no, we had mentioned that at Section 10. I mean, there's only been a couple of games where the lineup is fully clicking. And I mean, the, the guys I'm looking at, Bobby Dahlbeck has been one of the like unluckiest hitters in baseball. He's tearing the cover off the ball, a lot of loud outs, um, you know, deep off the monster on the game on Saturday that hits off the top of the monster. He had one off the top of the wall, I believe in Minnesota, uh, warning track in Minnesota, obviously a couple doubles in that game, which was huge. So I, I think Kike is kind of where you want him to be. He's heating up. He's going to get around 260, 270. That's where you expect him to be. Rafi's going to have a huge summer. I hated going into this year. People are like, oh, I really think it's going to be a breakout year for Rafael Devers. Rafael Devers last two years 
is the last two full seasons is like a 30 hundred guy. So let's breakout yeah. season. I mean, let's, this guy's done it. Let's stop acting like he's still, I mean, he is like 13 years old, but let's stop acting like he hasn't shown you that he can do it at a high level. JD has been the biggest, uh, the biggest impressive part of the lineup that we didn't expect. I honestly was very worried going into the year that he was at this point, let's say whatever it is, April, what's today, April 21st, that he was going to be 220, uh, one homer, you know, a couple RBIs here and there. He leads Major League Baseball in basically every offensive statistic. Um, so he's been enormous. And I, I think he'll come back down to earth a little bit. Uh, Verdugo is going to stay around 300. His power is going to be good. Vasquez is around where he should be. He'll probably end up around 270 or so. Uh, like you mentioned, Marwin's around 200. Renfro, we're, we're not, we didn't get Hunter Renfro. Sox didn't get him to hit like 280. Like I understand yeah. below the Just run, in, run into a few. Yeah, the Mendoza under the Mendoza line's not great, but I mean, naturally he's going to heat up a little bit. So, uh, and Christian Arroyo's been awesome. I mean, I fully expect him to still hit 357 in the middle of July. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. he's been. I think he's been the biggest surprise. So naturally, some guys are going to come down to earth. Uh, Bobby's going to heat up. Uh, Renfro's going to have some more homers when it when the weather gets warmer. So I'm not. The last thing you should worry about as a Sox fan is the lineup. I just want to make sure the rotation can stay healthy and maintain i mean their eras are naturally going to go up a little bit i don't think all these guys are going to stay around three but if the rotation can stay healthy if you can get tanner Houck some more starts and make him feel more comfortable up here there's no reason to think the Sox can't consistently do this for you know all summer and into into the playoffs so the last question i'll give you i feel like you just answered but simple one do you believe i do believe yeah and they've given us reason to They've given us plenty of reason to there's really nobody we had to struggle to find guys that we thought were underperforming and right. going into the year, they needed these additions that they had to overperform. And Richards has gotten a lot of heat, but Richards has been fine. Like, it's what do you expect from Garrett Richards? He hasn't been great in a while. If he's good, if he's serviceable and stays healthy, which is kind of a big if, then fine, relax. Like, we're acting like we got to get rid of him after two starts. Everybody chill. So I do believe they've given us reason to believe uh, the vibe will not change. I don't see that changing. I don't see Cora's approach changing. And yeah, overall, I mean, there's no reason to think they can't keep doing this all summer. So I'm just, I'm just happy, Katio. I'm not going to lie. I'm just happy because between Section 10, EEI, obviously all the time that we spend on Twitter, it's just s- such a better summer when the team isn't awful. Like it's, this is going to be enjoyable and I'm excited about that. Well, that's Steve Peralt. I'm Chris Cotillo. <laughs> it's I funny, guess. dude. I, my dad was asking, oh, uh, who does he write for? I was like, Cotillo? He goes, isn't it Cotillo? I was like, oh, it is Cotillo. It I've is said Cotillo yeah. so much that I've forgotten it's Cotillo. So it's Chris Cotillo. This has been the Fenway Rundown. Steve will never get either of those names right, but appreciate him coming on, I guess. I appreciate you having me on, I guess.